1: And, in addition to my JD, as you know, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both the master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years fighting for the economic empowerment and economic independence of women, people of color, seniors, and because I grew up in a military household, where my dad was totally airborne, and I spent part of my childhood on Fort Bragg, whose name hopefully soon will change to recognize someone who actually fought for the Union. But as such, I'm also proud to say that I also have the ability to serve veterans. And because of my training and my experiences and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer and the roles these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. And I say again, yes, bankruptcy law, because it is not only about money, it's also about the reclamation and revitalization of the economic lives and financial distressed individuals, families, and businesses that are headed by honest but temporarily unfortunate human beings like you and me. And I also happen to practice debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors as more and more of us find ourselves not only the targets of, but unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could even imagine. I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. That takes a contract. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I recommend you obtain if you want to try to resolve a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets. Now, just to update you, for the last several weeks... I've shared with you that during my downtime, I've been conducting my own research project looking into how the Treasury Department is getting that $47 billion, with a B, uh, of uh, emergency rental assistance out to the individual states and territories, and how, unfortunately, those same states and territories are not, in turn, getting this money out to the needy tenants and just as importantly to the mom and pop landlords who need these funds so they can pay their mortgages and not have their properties foreclosed upon and therefore not be able to continue to provide safe and clean housing for the 11 million tenants or so that are facing foreclosure. So we're going to continue uh, that discussion today. But first, I must share with you the fact that the, all the memorial events related to the 20th anniversary of 9-11 have transported me back to that date. And I got to tell you, I became so emotional this morning because we were taping this show on Friday, the, the 10th, that I had to turn off my television set. Well, you see, I knew some of the folks who died in that attack, and but for the grace of God... I was not back there when it happened. I've tried to put the intersection of my life and the attack on that property and the individuals who died in in perspective. The way I have been forced to do so, based on the fact that my neighborhood was spared during the Oakland Hills firestorm in October of 1991. And my neighborhood again was spared in the Loma Parada earthquake that took place in October of 1989. Although in both of these instances as well, I knew some of the folks who died and others who lost everything in both of these disasters. You see, my problem is this. I'm so curious about everything and as such, I really can't keep a job. That is to say, I have a very large and seemingly Insatiable appetite to find out about how things work and I'm interested in just about everything and as such I'm constantly learning new things and it's kind of like you know someone chinkling a bell over there I got to go figure out what's going on over there and this includes both physical things, mechanical things, metaphysical things, and concepts like God and humanity and the universe and everything in it. And as such, I've had several careers, including one that caused me to spend quite a bit of time back in New York City in the late 1990s and early 2000s. In the 1990s, and because of the Loma Parada earthquake and the Oakland Hill firestorm I became interested in the role that insurance plays in the lives and the availability and the vitality that helps communities recover not only from man-made or natural disasters but how important insurance is just to sustain any community but especially communities of color and I discovered that just as Banks and other financial institutions have redlined black and brown communities that made it almost impossible for those who live there to access the loans they need to buy homes and to maintain their businesses. Insurance companies. Have you used a similar technique, known as territorial rating, to determine who can have access to insurance and how much to charge for automobile, homeowners, and business insurance? If you live in, work in, garage an automobile in, or own a home or a small business that is located in a predominantly white zip code or census tract, Your insurance policies are generally fairly rated based on your own individual actions such as your lost history or your driving record. On the other hand, if you live in or garage an automobile in or own a home or a small business in a location that is in a predominantly black or brown zip code or census tract, you are rated not only on your own individually controlled behavior, but you're also rated on traits that are assigned to you by mostly white insurance underwriters who you have never spent any time with a black or brown person, and somehow believe that many, if not most, black and brown folks are just one insurance policy away from engaging in insurance fraud because, That's the way they believe we roll. As such, there is a territorial rating enhancement made to our automobile, homeowners, and small business insurance policy, if we can get an insurance policy at all. And it is added to our individually controlled factors, such as our loss history or our own driving record. As such, in many communities of color or neighborhoods of color, insurance is either unavailable or unaffordable. Now, I just gave you a two-minute high-level presentation on insurance underwriting practices that took me many months and even years to research and find out and validate for myself. As such I became gradually known as the go-to person in the nonprofit public interest law firm that I worked at in San Francisco Public Advocates. And I eventually got put on some consumer focused boards and the then insurance commissioner of California and other politicians. Uh, appointed me to other advisory boards, and I became a spokesperson on insurance and was periodically invited back to New York City to appear on a geeky but professionally produced television show entitled Your Premium Dollar Today that was produced and broadcast from one of the Twin Towers in the Big Apple. I got to know the hosts and all the producers and the staff, and they'd invite me back at least once a quarter, if not more often, to discuss trends in insurance that they believed impacted the general community, but also communities of color. They always made sure I stayed in great hotels and safe places and got me tickets to great shows, and I became really good friends with all of them. And they knew that, you know, coming back to a multi-million dollar city, I mean people populated by multiple millions of people in New York City, I got kind of stressed out. They didn't always invite me out the weekend before and produce the show that I was on on Tuesday. You know, I didn't go back on Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001, but I could have been there. But you know... All of the people that I worked with and knew there, they've all passed on. And today caused me to remember that, and it's made me very emotional. I just hope that they're happy in their new iteration, and I want them to know how much I miss them. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion Of some of the constructive ideas on how we can get the forty-seven billion with a B in rental relief funds out to those of our neighbors who need it. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side.
2: Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our ongoing discussion of some of the constructive ideas I have come across as we try to help get that $47 billion with a B in congressionally funded, presidentially approved emergency rental relief and utilities assistance funding distributed out to the tenants and then on to the landlords so the landlords can pay their mortgages and the utility companies can be paid so that the utilities companies will continue to provide service to the tenants and the landlords will be able to continue to provide safe and clean housing for many of our brothers and sisters who face eviction because they've lost their income because of the pandemic as such we as a collective society need to work together to help them stay housed so in sum here's the deal here's the problem according to the Treasury treasury department as of august 25th 2021 only 11 percent of that 47 billion with the b and congressionally approved and presidentially appro- allocated funds have made their way into the hands of the tenants, landlords and utility companies that need these funds. According to Treasury again, only 5.1 billion with a b of that 47 billion with a b has been used to prevent the eviction of around a million households, when there are multiple more households, uh, at least uh, approximately five million households that need to be saved. As such, most of the AIDS is still in the hands of the state and local governmental units responsible for distributing it. Now, those figures are untenable in the midst of our pandemic, coupled with the loss of homes and rental units associated with the climate-based change that's going on that's causing the increase of flooding and firestorms throughout the country. Now, as I share with you, I've taken it upon myself to look at the rental assistance program of three states that I have a direct connection with to see how they're doing. I have spent time and have relatives and friends in Alaska. I live here in California and have relatives and friends throughout the state. And my family, one side of it comes from Louisiana, my mother's folks, and my dad's side come from Mississippi. And so, I still have some relatives in Mississippi. So, I want to find out how the programs are going in these three states so I can identify play Where's Waldo and find the logjam and hopefully because some people evidently listen to this show maybe it'll point them in the right direction of figuring out how to fix these problems before more and more of us are turned out into the streets so let's go alphabetically and as I shared with you a few shows back I looked at what's going on up in Alaska and their program is primarily run through an entity called Alaska Housing Finance Corporation and their program is called the Alaska Housing Relief Fund and it's located at a pretty simple website to remember alaskahousingrelief.org or you can Google, google it. Now They have really great slide presentation, but the problem I identified that I shared with you before, they stopped accepting uh, new applications on March the 5th, several months ago. (laughs) And they got jammed up and they couldn't accept any more applications. So all they can do is is point you to a website where you can go to check the status of your application if it was already accepted, Or get put on a waiting list. So, I don't find that to be very helpful. I mean, I mean, I understand about getting backed up at work. You know, I'm a solo practitioner. I get backed up quite a bit, but sometimes, you know, I have to bring on, you know, outside lawyers to help me on contract basis or decline. You know, I understand having to decline new clients, but, you know, my clients, it's not a matter of life and death. It's not a matter of keeping a roof over their head. And that's what this is all about. So I urge Alaska to um, maybe put some more resources into bringing on more staff so they can take more application. Now, with that new website that I shared with you last week that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau put up, Alaska has three different uh, uh, relief agencies to help folks. And so I just share it with you, the Alaska Housing uh, Finance Company. But they also have two based uh, nonprofits that are helping uh, individuals that are related to those particular tribes find rental assistance. So one of them is the Aleutian Housing Authority, AHA. And those of you who are familiar with Alaska, it's this huge state But then there's these string of islands that go off and approach Russia. And those are called the Aleutian Islands, and there are tribes that are native to those areas. And that's who this organization focuses on, although it's headquartered in Anchorage, Alaska. Now, what I like about this particular rental assistance program is they have a telephone number in addition to a website and an email address because as you know or if you don't know many members who are of tribes they are in effect members of a community of color not all members of our different communities of color have the technology to allow them to freely access the internet. But just about everybody has a telephone. And if you want to reach out to people or have people reach out to you, it's good to have a telephone number. So here, um, the Aleutian Housing Authority did not have a voice phone number, but they do have a facsimile machine that you can get in touch with them. And that fax number is one 833 8155, and the email address is ERA at org. And they also have a mailing address, which is pretty helpful because some sites, they want everything to be uploaded via the internet, and that's not appropriate. Again, many members of communities of color and tribes do not have internet access. So, Uh, If you want to get in touch with the Aleutian Housing Authority, they're located at 520 East 32nd Avenue in Anchorage, Alaska, 99503, and they can assist you in putting together the package that needs to be uploaded to the entity that is going to let the funds be released. Okay, so that I, I was very happy to to see uh, this information that's available uh, to the public via the Alaska, the the Aleutian Housing Authority. Now, Alaska also has another, um, again, that's, they have a total of three nonprofits that are working in this area. And the other uh, organization is the Nome Eskimo uh, Association. So, um, I, I, those of you who listen to the show, I, I share with you that there are several different tribal communities in Alaska, and um, with Eskimos, that might be the stereotype, stereotypical um, community that one might believe inhabits all of Alaska. That that does not happen to be the case. So there is also the the um, gnome. And let me get the correct the gnome. Eskimo community and they have a website at www.necalaska. Alaska. That's so you can remember it that way. Gnome Eskimo Community Alaska dot org. N-E-C A-L-A-S-K-A dot org. And they have a phone number, which I find again very, very helpful. Uh, at area code 907-443-2246 and again their task is to help you fill out the various application and related support documents that you need to access these funds and then they take it upon themselves to upload your complete package be it a a landlord's package or a tenant's package to get it to the entity that's distributing the funds. So there are three organizations in Alaska there to help you. And um, although I don't understand why the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation is not opening up new applications at this time, but that's what their website says. They're, They're not accepting uh, anything new. So the other two organizations, and I'm sure you don't have to be an Eskimo to uh, go to the Nome Eskimo community, and I, I'm, I'm sure you don't have to be an Aleutian to access information from the Aleutian Housing Authority. So if you live in Alaska, I'd say go to all three. And where can you find this information? The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's website has these drop-down windows, but I'm trying to help expedite the process here today. So when we come back next week, we're going to look at California, California, my uh my hometown my <laughs> Alameda County you have a big problem the phone number that you tell people to attach this this emergency 211 number it don't work so we'll talk a bit more about that next week but i'm gonna leave it there for now but it's always in closing here on selma's law we always want to stay on the right side of the law including the laws dealing with our ability to stay in our homes during a pandemic and firestorms and floods really we need that now but in so but in the meantime please get vaccinated until we get herd immunity and please keep your social distance mask up and wash your hands till next time please take care bye for now
2: thank you for taking the time to listen to selwyn's law remember the law office of selwyn whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code when it comes to your finances and your rights seek no other than the law office of selwyn whitehead